Listener Production. KickPod acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast. The Yulukut Wollum clan of the Boon who are part of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging, and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the KickPod, your DM on the stuff that matters. One, two, three, four. Hello. Hello. And welcome to a very special episode. Well, I mean, all of the episodes we do are special. Mm. But this one is very special because we have got a guest back on. Mm-hmm. We are so lucky. We're always. When they come back, it's, it's like it, the biggest. Maybe well, they had a nice time the first time. Nice. They did enjoy talking to us. It is. So we are very lucky that we have got Tarang Chola back in our podcast studio mm. with us today. Mm. Tarang is an incredible human. So he was born in India and he came to Australia in 1988. He is a writer, a lawyer, an activist, a commissioner and former independent political candidate. What? That's a very good bio, isn't he it? He also is incredibly fashionable. He is. I love. And I, I am worried. Saying, I, you know what? I, the first thing that I open up this chat with is... I'm sorry we're not wearing nice clothes. 100% because wear. I've been talking to him for weeks about wearing loafers and a nice yes. suit jacket to see him. Yeah, I actually thought about that this embarrassed morning. embarrassed for the both of us, yeah, but anyway. same, same. Okay, well, at least I've got a nice jacket. What have you got? You've got to put your coat on yeah. when he walks in. <laughs> My coat on, so I look nice. Um, so Tarang um, became an activist against men's violence, and this is what we spoke mm. about in our the like, the first episode we did with Tarang, which we highly recommend yep. that you listen to. So very, very sadly, his sister was tragically murdered in 2015. Mm. So from that point, he became an activist against men's violence and he co-founded the movement Not One More Nikki. He is an ambassador for White Ribbon, Our Watch and the In Touch Multicultural Centre Against Family Violence. He has written about men's violence against women, discrimination, racism, masculinity, gender equality and human rights. And he's also the host of the Future Women podcast, There Is No Place Like Home. And today is a very important episode because today we are going to be speaking about racism Mm -hmm. in Australia, which you might feel uncomfortable about listening to this conversation and and speaking about racism in general Mm. and avoid the topic. I feel like often it's something that we do fault to. We don't want to say the wrong thing. So then we just avoid altogether. And that is literally the worst thing that we can do because the more we educate ourselves and we speak about it, the more we will know how to do the right thing and we will teach others how to do the right thing because Mm. we need to, you know, come in such a multicultural country. The fact that there is so much racism is so wrong and we need to fix it. And so it's conversations like like these and it's people like Tarang that are giving their time to mm. speak about these these issues and what's happening. They're really important. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast today and we hope you enjoy it and, and learn something from it. Tarang, welcome back to the KickPod. Thank you for having me on. I haven't seen you in months. It's so good to see you both. We have to start with the fact that we, I know we've already had this conversation offline, but we're not, you said, no, we started it and then you were like, stop, Save it hold for the it podcast. for the podcast. I do feel really ashamed though, because we have been talking over the last like couple of months yeah. about blazers and loafers. Yeah. And I was like, when Tron comes in, I'm going to make sure that I'm looking pretty schmick. You do. And you then, look incredible. 
You both She's, do. We're, we're wearing active work. We're wearing active I mean, work. He's being lovely. No, but that is on brand as well. <laughs> <laughs> right? like, but like, I put a coat with my. Yeah, look, morning. she's actually just put dressed. a coat on. I was going to put a hoodie on, and yeah. then I said, "No, today I need to be more chic." So I've gone for chic. That's a really nice work. coat as well. Like I feel like I feel tempted to be like, "Hey, Laura, can I touch?" this? You can. Oh, it's so nice. Look thank at you. That. Mm. Look at that. Oh London. God. Hey. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. But anyway, yes, I do feel bad, but we have to we film do. a video. That's why. Otherwise, we would have worn. Our chicest. I would have worn loafers, even though they give me horrible blisters. The pair I have, I would have done it for you. So I'm really sorry. Hey, you know what? You just got to get shoes that fit. And there, <laughs> there are countless loafers. I've seen Steph in hers, and we've had like long conversations about them. And those like oversized blazer fits. I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're gonna have to come back on for the th- if you want. Oh, a third yeah. time. The third time, oh, and then we sure. can have a yeah, yeah, chic yeah, yeah. look sure. show up. Okay, I love it. It's anyway, so aside from. What we're wearing, <laughs> something really important. Much and we, important. We, um, we just wanted to start by saying, Trung, thank you so much for being so open to mm. having these conversations. In the first episode we've, we did together, we spoke about domestic violence. And in this episode, what we really wanted to focus on today is racism. And we spoke about also in the intro how it is something that it feels uncomfortable to speak about. And I think as well, and it's something that I'm definitely 100% even like when I'm reading these questions, I feel like today I will read off the sheet as opposed to just saying them because I feel like I'm going to say the wrong thing. Mm. Yeah, right. Because I want to get it right. Yeah. But I think what I am learning and what I need to learn is it's better to talk about it and to try than it is to avoid it altogether because I feel yeah. like it, when things Absolutely. are uncomfortable, yeah. we, av- we avoid them. But this is something, racism is so prevalent still in Australia. Yeah. Which is, and we have to do something about it. Well, I think it's really interesting that you say that, Laura, that like you said you're scared of saying the wrong thing and you'll probably read off like a script mm. rather than just having conversation. Mm. I think that's interesting because it's like we're human beings. We don't, life doesn't follow a script, mm. right? Even if we try to make it follow one, you know, we always get a curveball or something happens. So it's kind of like, I think we all, regardless of our skin color, mm. our age, our gender, you know, our level of ability, we have a kind of obligation to almost talk about mm. this when it's so prevalent in Australia. And I always, part of me is this like, we're going to say the wrong thing, right? I'm going to say the wrong thing. You both are going to say the wrong thing. Listeners are going to say, we're, we're going to say and sometimes inadvertently do the wrong thing, mm. you know? And I think it's it's not just doing the, you know, making the mistake. It's what we do afterwards mm. that's the most important part of that and like the education and mm. the learning. Yeah, it's like being open to learn instead of, I feel like what I've seen with some of my friends in the past who might have been picked up for something that they've done that could be, you know, definitely racist, they've gone into, it is, they've gone into defence, you know, and I think that is what we can definitely work on. I think being open to learn and to move forward as opposed to defending something that you've said, that's definitely not the way forward. Yeah, and also like, the apology that comes with mm. the actions, right, or the indiscretion or the mistake. Because sometimes the the apology can be so, like, half-hearted mm. or that in itself can be really defensive. And yeah. it's just like, for what? Mm. Like, and for whose benefit? We make mistakes. And sometimes it's it's really interesting, isn't it, right? Like, we tend to forgive. I, I genuinely believe we forgive the people who give, like, meaningful, genuine apologies. We kind of worry about the intentions of people who give those half-hearted apologies because it's like, what are you, what are you trying to defend, right? Like, if you did the wrong thing, um, what's disappointing is when you see people make the same mm. mistake over and over again, right? Like, they'll 
they'll say something or they'll post something and then they'll go back and like kind of double down and then they'll do it again. Mm. And it's just like, why? Mm. I mean, when you grow up as like a person of color mm. in Australia, you kind of, you become immune to it in a way. Like you don't even realize. And in the same way that I don't think a lot of white Australians are aware mm. of like inherent bias. Mm. Like, so it's not like racism per se, right? But it's like, they're not aware of the fact that their skin color doesn't preclude them from certain things, mm. right? When, you know, for example, like you go for a job, right? If you're a woman of color, like from a migrant background, and your name is something that the person reading the job application can't pronounce properly or can't understand, all of a sudden they're making all these kind of assumptions, mm. right? Some of which are harmful mm. that are going to stop that person from advancing as far, you know? So they get disadvantaged in ways that aren't, that kind of overt thing. Because I think we often think of racism as being like the really horrible examples. And the sad thing is they still exist as well. Mm. Like we still have that. So it's like, I think we've got a really long way to go in Australia, right? But if we don't have the conversation, you know, I'm grateful to both of you for being the type of people who are like, hey, let's have a conversation about this. Let's mm. get a bit uncomfortable. Because I think we all grow when mm. we have that conversation. I think we would never want anyone to have a shittier experience of life on the basis of the color of their skin or their, you know, their ethnic background or their race. But that's the reality. Like in 2022 Australia, that's still the reality. And I think that's really sad. Oh, it's so sad. And I mean, even if we think of a terrible, terrible thing that's happened recently is Cassius Turvey, who was a 15-year-old Indigenous boy who was walking home in his school uniform in broad daylight and he had his life taken from him. Which it, it, it is it is so sad and I was re-listening this morning to the police commissioner's statement on wrong place, wrong time, and that it, which is so bizarre that he made the comment about we're not assuming it was a racist attack. And it was like one of the first things that he said that came out of his mouth. Obviously for a 15-year-old boy to be in his school uniform walking home from school, that is not, you were never in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like the statements caused so much and he, also the police commissioner is a white man. Mm. You you spoke up so well about that on social media. Why did you feel, and obviously it was so sad and mm. it was also what was really sad is that if that had been a young white boy, the media response to that would have been so different. So why was it so important for you to speak up about that? Um, yeah, good question. I think the, the whole thing with talking about Cassius's death, mm. right, is that it shouldn't have taken... Tony Armstrong on the mm. project talking about it. It shouldn't have taken Narelda Jacobs, countless First Nations, pr predominantly women as well, yeah. right? Shouldering that burden of speaking about their communities. Like it, the fact that it doesn't make the police so angry shocks me, mm. right? Because if we look at the history of First Nations people in Australia and their like contemporary, like modern health outcomes, they're terrible. Right, We don't, as a nation, do enough for our First Nations people, right? Like they're not, I mean, they're not recognising the Constitution, right? It's kind of like we still celebrate Australia Day on the date mm. that the English settlement mm. arrived. And when it's really strange, right? right? Like the, the kind of opposition to having an inclusive voice for Aboriginal people, right? And so when... Cassius was killed, I think it brought up like so much at once, mm. right? And I'm not an Aboriginal person and I've had the benefit of a university education and a stable household and all of this stuff that 
a lot of people, a lot of Aboriginal people in particular, don't experience. Mm. So for me, it was like, if I don't say anything, then what am I doing with that position of privilege or the benefits that I've had? You don't, the thing is, you don't have to look very far to see how horrible things are for Aboriginal people. And that to me is just like the great injustice that it's like, we will do acknowledgements of country, right? Whenever we go somewhere, we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land. And at times it starts to feel a little bit cheap because you're like, that's all that's going to happen, right? It's like, they'll just have someone come in, say a few words, and then that's it. But there's no meaningful kind of action underpinning that, or there's no inquisition, like, tell me more. Mm. Because it's like, if they've survived tens of thousands of years, if we're going to be like, they're the oldest living civilization, those of us who migrated here, wouldn't we be proud of that? Mm. Wouldn't we be proud that like, hey, we have people amongst us that have survived everything possible, Mm. right? Like when we had to stay home for like COVID, right, with the lockdowns, we were like, this is terrible. I'm never going to get through this. Well, (laughs) they got through other pandemics before. They got through other stuff before any of us were here for tens of thousands of years. They've lived off the land in a way that has been sustainable, that has been entirely ethical. They've had their own kinds of codes of justice. They've lived in a way where like, it's incredible. And I just think it's kind of strange that we as a country don't acknowledge that. And something that I find that I have to check myself on is that like, yeah, I'm brown skinned, but I'm from a place of like comparative privilege, right? So it's like, I have elements of racism that would be similar to what they would experience, but then entirely different, Mm. you know? Like, I don't have that fear for my safety Mm. that a lot of Aboriginal people have. Mm. And so when it came to, like, that police um, commissioner or that, like, high-ranking police officer saying that, you know, Cassius was in the wrong place at the wrong time, I think it was just the final tether for a lot of people that was just like, no, but he's literally doing the thing that he's supposed to do. He was doing everything you tell him to do. And then you hear stories about how he was doing like a a newspaper route, like a lemonade stand. And it was like, this is a kid who's trying to like give back to the community. He's trying to build a life for himself. And I saw, I'm not an Aboriginal person, but I saw a lot of myself in him, right? Like a 15-year-old chubby kid who like rides his bike to school. And I was like, that? I remember that kid. That used to be me. And for Aboriginal people, that kid is a lot of them, mm. right? For for mums and fathers and, you know, aunties and uncles, they know that kid and that's their family, right? There's kinship there. And so I think it was just the final straw when mm. it was just like, come on, where's the police commissioner saying that crimes against Aboriginal people or any people are a blight on society? Where's the kind of like, hey, we can't, have this anymore. We need to address the gap that's resulting in Aboriginal people dying so much from violence, right? And perpetrated by non-Aboriginal people as well. And so it's like, when we're not talking about it, we kind of have this really strange mentality. I feel like in Australia, we'll deal with racism and racist things as like, oh, she'll be right. It's mm-hmm. like, it's either it's either she'll be right, sweep it under the rug, or it doesn't exist or you're crazy or you're overreacting or all the stuff that I think that you both would be so, Mm. you know, familiar with as women, right? And women as entrepreneurs in business and stuff, you would have heard like so many things where it's just like being minimized and undermined. They get that and other layers. Mm. So it's just like the kind of the levels of disadvantage. It's it's heart. It's Mm. genuinely heartbreaking. Yeah. Why do you think that is that the conversations are avoided altogether? Why do you think that is? 
Yeah, good question, Steph. I think it comes down to a few things. I think there's a lot of shame and embarrassment mm. in dealing with the true reality of things. Mm-hmm. You know, like when the Queen passed away, I remember seeing like the sheer extent of media coverage and it was so like after a point it was like, wow, like can we like please chill? Like mm. this is three weeks mm. after and it's still like the leading news item. Everything mm. was like on this rolling clock of coverage. And I just think it's strange, right? Because you kind of put like global events into context and it was like that was covered to that extent. And then I think of like how much coverage we're getting of the situation in Iran mm. at the moment, right? In mainstream Australian news. And I just think that there are elements of of race and class that underpin a lot of the way things work mm. in Australia. And we have this unrelenting curiosity with the British royal family in a way where, like, it's not just we love watching The Crown and we love the drama. Because, I mean, we all live for that, mm, right? Yeah. Like, I remember... I love The Crown. When, I mean, when Harry and Meghan got married, mm. right, I was like, first, I didn't realise that his name was Henry, right? You I know, didn't know his, that either. Yeah, so his real name's Henry. And yeah. this is me, right? I thought you were going to say you thought his first name was Prince. No, no, no. no, no <laughs> I was no, like, no, oh, no. no. But Prince Prince's real name was Prince, wasn't it? Prince Rogers Nelson. I think so. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. that's so I have badass. to say, I'm not in this camp of like loving the royals. I don't yeah. know, but Prince is a them. royal. No, no, no. Oh, he's he's Prince the musician. Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, the artist formerly known as Remember Purple Rain and you know Dove, when doves cry. That one. That one. Yeah, the one in the purple suits <laughs> I'm, and the I'm, high heels. No, no. Yes. What? What do you mean you don't know, I know Prince? I know. I, I'm sure if you played me a song, I would say yes. I I'd know hope this so. song. <laughs> it's all my it's all my workout tracks. It's like <laughs> anyway, moving on. Yeah, Henry. wow. So we've learned that we've learned that <laughs> Laura doesn't Laura doesn't yeah. So when I was watching their wedding, right, which I vowed not to do. Like you I watched was, the full wedding. Yeah, all of it. And I was so How long was it? Oh, it was almost as long as a North Indian wedding, right? And they, they go for days. So I was watching it. Right. And I told everyone, like, I told everyone around me, I was just like vehemently opposed. I'm not going to watch it. It's a spectacle. (laughs) They're like really vocal that I'm not going to watch it. It's going to be, you know, too much pomp and ceremony and taxpayers paid for this. It's not fair. Blah, 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 blah. But also, like, I think we're all fond of, as far as the royal family goes, we're most fond, I think, of Harry and Meghan, Mm -hmm. right? Like, they're the ones where it's like they seem relatable, they seem kind of cool, down to earth. Going against the grain, too. Yeah. Yeah. And they just, they just seem a bit more like normal. Yeah. Right? Like, you could probably spend time with them and not feel repulsed. Yeah. And, and so I, I was like, I'm not going to watch it. And then I'm watching it and they're like, Henry, Henry, Henry. And I'm like, these idiots don't even know his real name. <laughs> like, that's that's how stupid I am that I'm watching it thinking that on a global scale where, like, billions of people are watching them getting married. They're getting it wrong. That, I'm, that they're getting it wrong. But his name's, not, his name's Henry, but they call him Harry, right? Anyway, I don't know how we got here. We're talking about the British royal family. It's over too much exposure too in much, the media. Yeah. And we're now, we're now talking about yeah. more about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, the thing, like, the whole thing for me, right? So, like, I'm Indian. But technically, my family comes from modern-day Pakistan, right? We come from that side of the border. Because in 1947, when India and Pakistan kind of became two nations, it was literally over a lunchtime that the British Viceroy was given this responsibility of being like, hey, we need to retreat from India, like we're going to lose this British colony. And so he literally, in 40 minutes, just drew a line in the sand and displaced, like, heaps of people and stuff. And so, like, my family, like, fled towards, like, India, Mm -hmm. south. 
And so it's kind of like these are the kinds of stories that so many people have that come from migrant backgrounds in Australia, but we don't like talk about them that much. We kind of like, I remember in school, I don't know what it was like for both of you, but like history in school was like heaps of stuff from 1788 onwards. Then you had like the obligatory week about like Yvonne Gulagong Cooley and like yes, the, yeah, but like the atrocities of the British Empire, zero. Yeah. Right. So and so true. it's kind of weird, right? Like, I think there's this legacy in Australia that we don't talk about. Mm. And I feel like other countries are starting to talk about these issues around racism way more. Like when I go to the UK and you see like the way that migrant populations have really integrated into society, I think part of it is that they're open to having these conversations, Mm. right? You might not see it in the mainstream media because Mm. obviously still going to like glorify the royal family and stuff, but it kind of, it still happens, Mm. you know, that people have these conversations and they're more open to it and you see like cross-cultural integration. Whereas here, we're like so unbearably, to put on the TV, Mm. we're like unbearably white sometimes. Mm. And it's just like, why? Because it's like, it doesn't, Australia doesn't look like that, right? Australia is diverse. That's what's so amazing about Mm. living here. But then you put on like Channel 7 or something and you're just like, or 9 or 10 or whatever, and you're Mm. just like, oh, wow, okay. How does this compute? You put on like American TV and you'll see like black news anchors and you'll see like women from like South America and stuff. And you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like there's there's more diversity there. You see it in the UK. I mean, you see it here on like SBS, but it's like who mm-hmm. legitimately watches SBS? Mm. This is not something that people actively are seeking out unless they want to seek out something that is quote unquote multicultural. This week, the Media Diversity Australia study came out. I don't know, have you seen it? With the, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's what you would have thought. It's literally what you just yeah. said, that the actual, the way that the population exists is not what we see on our TV. It's extremely mm. whitewashed. Yeah. And there is so much work to be done. And there's also within Media Diversity Australia, when they, when they spoke about the survey, they don't have a lot of financial backing to actually support. So there's so much more work that can be done to help. And I was listening to one of their team members speak about because they want to do this survey and then they want to work through how they can change it and Mm. get more, you know, Indigenous representation and Black representation and and people of colour on our screens to actually represent what our country looks like. But the way they spoke about it was very much from the bottom. So they're going to be doing, bringing people up through secondments and internships and all of these things. But I think at the top, obviously, that's, it's often where we can make the most change. Yeah. When I think about this broader like media diversity report, I just think what's it going to take for and how much progress are we going to need to see at a kind of cultural level in Australia for brown women in particular to be recognised and to be seen, right? Even the brown women that we see, right, in the media, they have Anglo names predominantly Mm. or they're they're kind of Anglo-Indian. They're like kind of, you know, they've got some British ancestry, or they're like Catholic or Christian, right? They're kind of, they're ways in which uh, there's commonalities with the kind of like Judeo-Christian, Anglo-Celtic kind of society that, that that's shown on television. I think that's really fascinating to me because it's like, how many points of difference will we allow? And I think it all kind of, it all fits in, right? It all fits in with like, whether it's Cassius Turvey and representation on TV. We're not seeing certain types of people in society as full human beings, mm. you know, like that. Like to me, that's the reason that Aboriginal people are dying at the hands of police in police custody, right? Like if they if they were seen as human beings in the full way that they obviously are, we would be like having marches and you know. To your point, like if a young 
white boy was killed on the way home from school. We, that would be, that would not leave the news for It'd a be month. three weeks. Yeah, and it shouldn't. Yeah. It should, because it should make us so upset and angry that this happens in mm. our country, that like, this is, you know, a reflection of who we are as a people, mm. that this could happen. I think it's just about like baseline human rights and dignity. Mm. Have you all been following like what's been happening in Iran at all? And like with the World Cup now, it's because to me, it's fascinating. I was, when you mentioned it before, mm. I listened to a podcast on it the other day and I just thought I was when you said that Iran's not really making the news. What's happening? It's not making it at all. It it's isn't. like you have to seek it out. Yeah, yeah I'm only ever finding it on social. Yeah, stuff. social media, yeah. which is why it's so important yeah. to obviously yeah, yeah. share and everything. Yeah. But it, it is crazy that something like that—that that is a huge story—is yeah. it's very hard to find. You yeah. have to actively seek it out. Yeah, and what I think is so fascinating, right? And I've been thinking about this in the last, literally, the last 24 hours, mm. and like calling like sports people that I know mm. and them being like kind of having to reckon with the reality of, of sport and macho culture in Australia is that we had the Iranian men's like soccer football team at the World Cup refuse to sing their national anthem, right? They were like, we stand in solidarity with the women of Iran against the oppressive regime. And so we're not singing this national anthem. And as, as a man of colour, like I've gone through a lot of Australian society in this way where you're othered, where you're seen as like a threat, mm. right? You're seen as like you're going to make advances on women or, you know, anyone in a way where like um, you're going to compromise them or make them feel unsafe because of like broader like social conditioning around race. And I just found it so fascinating when I thought of it because I was like, hang on a minute, these are sports people, these are sports men from Iran, a country that a lot of people in Australia would look at and go, oh, wow, they're so, like, oppressive. And yet we have our own issues with football players when they go overseas and they grope women in clubs or they're filmed doing stuff against, you know, without consent. And I'm just like, wow, like, we would never look at those sportsmen and go, oh, they're actually, they're actually more aligned to the values that I would want mm-hmm. in myself and in society than some of the heroes that I worship on the football field here. Mm. And I think that's really interesting when mm. it comes down to like race and class and, and issues of gender and toxic masculinity because it's like we don't like to think of some of our own in a way that won't cast them in the best possible light. Mm. And so that's why like we see football players just get away with abhorrent behaviour. They have nine lives. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. like, uh, yeah. specifically the cats, they, is yeah. that the yeah. team? Like, did Geelong do something? Or, no, no. I was like, did I miss yeah. something? Yeah. No, no. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, like, Wayne Carey is a great example. Like, that is, oh and I gosh. grew up idolising him because I went to North Melbourne yeah. until what we'll happened. I'll forgive you for that. Thank you. And the way that he has been able to resurrect, it's like, you go, I don't know if he went oh on SAS Australia, but SAS Australia has become this show where it's like, well, you've done something really wrong. And yeah. it's like this protection of, and even with recently one of the players have, there was a video of them with cocaine. Mm-hmm. It went away in a week. Whereas yeah. that happened to another woman a few years ago and she was, no one, like she had to hide in her house for six months. Yeah. And it doesn't mean any of it's right, as in like doing that, whatever. Yeah. But it's the treatment of Australian sports people, even in the, um, is it, because oh, we're not from Sydney, I never remember, NFL or NR, rugby. NRL? NRL, NRL. That yeah. stuff is the yeah. stuff that happens within there against women is horrific. Yeah. And it's like they just continue, they just keep coming back in the media. It's yeah. like there are so many talented people that can come back and actually offer something that haven't yeah. done all these bad things. So give them the spot. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. It's and it's so depressing to watch, right? Because it's just like if we take like AFL or we take NRL, these are like national codes that mm. people love and follow, mm. right? And it's just like when you take the men's sides, and I think it's it's it goes beyond Laura for me, just sports people, but sports men in particular. Yeah. Right, and I just think that, like in Australia, the way that they—if you are good at kicking a football, mm-hmm. oh god, the things you can get away with and say and do. I feel like cancel culture just doesn't like they don't have it. No. Yeah, do you know I don't know, what I know mean? anyone that's been effectively cancelled. Right, like Steve Price, when he wrote mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. media about how like old white men are being cancelled, he literally wrote that in the Herald Sun, right? So which is like the <laughs> most read newspaper in Victoria. So it's like. Bro, what do you mean? Like, mm. you're not cancelled at yeah. all. Well, I think openly being fearful about cancel culture when it comes to things like discrimination, it's like they're trying to make an excuse before or after they've done something wrong instead of actually taking ownership and wanting to learn and move forward. And I feel like for anyone in the minority that might have been discriminated against, that's all they're wanting, right? That's all we want is for, for us to all move forward and learn more and not necessarily cancel people out, but it's when it's not acknowledged and it's ignored and it's, you know, excuses are made and everything like that. That Yeah. It's, it's like, like, why it's, do we keep giving you the mic? Yeah, it's like gaslighting, <laughs> yeah. right? Like if someone is like, you know, if someone keeps like knocking you on the head or something and then you're like, can you please stop knocking me on yeah. the head? And then they're like, I'm not doing that. And it's like, no, but literally, like <laughs> you, you literally were just doing that, yeah. right? And so like it's kind of like when an Aboriginal person or a person of colour says something is racist, right? Just listen, mm. like, without being, like, having to be, like, you know, if we're talking on the theme of, like, what mm. people can actually do. It's, like, yeah. just listen, yeah. right? Like, just actually listen to what they have to say and hear what they have to say. And I wonder, right, with your, both of you having, like, social media platforms and the Keep It Cleaner, like, brand and everything that you do, do you both, like... Like, how do you navigate that? Is there, like, a worry about saying or doing the wrong thing or, like, you know? Yeah. Do you just- oh, I mean, I think for both of us there is, but it's because we're empathetic and we never want, like, it would always come from, we care, right? We care yeah. about people, every person. And so I think if we were to ever say or do something wrong, we would both be open to hearing about it because mm. we only want to do better for yeah. everyone, right? So, sure, there's a fear of doing something wrong, absolutely. But I think for me personally, I'm not really scared of cancel culture because I would always hope that for whatever I ever do wrong, I want to make sure that I own up to it, that I learn, and that hopefully in that we can all kind of move forward. You know, I'm not, I mean, I don't think I'm ever going to do anything like so wrong that, I I mean, I hope bloody not, but you never know things like I'm learning every day. And I have definitely done things in the past that have been absolutely questionable, 100%, but I've learned through them and and that's all I ever want to do. So I suppose the fear is there, but I think I have enough faith in myself and in the people I surround myself with that I'm learning enough to to kind of make sure that that wouldn't happen, I suppose. I I agree. And I think for me, I used to be really scared of it, but it wasn't. But then I kind of thought about, hang on, what would actually have to lead to that happening, right? Mm. And you'd have to do yeah. something pretty, like really for me, as you said, Steph, like we're similar in that, you know, we, we always have the best intentions. And in my intentions and my value system, racism, sexism, discrimination, it's yeah. not in there. Like that is is so wrong, right? And they're kind of the key things that would lead to someone being, in some instances, cancelled. Yeah. Mm. And if I were to be racist 
or sexist or discriminate. That's I need to deal with those consequences, right? That's yeah. important because yeah. it's like you can't go around. It's like it's just so unfair for people that have to, you know, for you growing up, right, in, in Australia, you, I'm sure there was casual, well, I know you've spoken about it, like casual racism exists at all times, right? So it's like for me, I think the thing that I'm working through and I, and I now, because I've become so comfortable with, I know what my value system is, mm. I am more comfortable speaking about, like having this conversation. Like mm. I reckon three years ago, I would have been too scared to have this conversation because I would have thought I can't put myself in your shoes. Mm. So I'm not going to be able to empathize with you and therefore I'm, you're going to not want to talk to me. Right? Yeah, right. Which is not true. But now I don't I don't feel that anymore. Yeah, like we have this platform, like we have to use it. Yeah. Otherwise what if we don't talk about it, then we're kind of just And I would have also avoided it because I know that I, you know, would have done things seven, ten years ago that I oh, would never do now. Have, right? But, but that's have. what I'm saying. Yeah. And I mm. think you need to be open to to learn about that and to to be critiqued and to learn to not do those things again, as you kind of said. Don't do a repeat offense almost. Yeah. But I think my concern is more on the person that I've hurt, not what would happen to me. Yes, we would have mm. to sit with consequences, but I'm not fearful of cancel culture because, oh no, what's that going to do to me? I'm mm. I'm fearful of what the heck have I done? Who would I have hurt mm. to, for that mm. to have happened? That's my concern and that's where my fear comes from. It's really refreshing to listen to that, I think, because that's probably, I would argue that's the minority view. Like if you look at like the instances of things that have happened that have led to apologies, Right. And it's kind of like whatever's preceded that apology, the apology is like that defensiveness that we talked about before and it's always like a little bit… Playing victim. Playing victim. career protection number one. Yeah. Person you offended is like the second or third. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think it's so fascinating. One of the things about this as well, and I think it's important to say this, is that like we can't fall into this trap of moral licensing once we know better because it's like… We kind of like to act, all of us, myself included probably, where you're like, you think you're just better now because you know more. And it's like, no, you're not. Like you just know, you're like you're growing on mm. the human journey, right? So it's kind of like if you know some stuff now, that's great. If you didn't know it before, well, you know it now, so just don't do the same thing again. But then don't like shame people who don't know yet, right? Mm. Like bring them in so you educate them rather than just being like, oh, what a terrible person they are. And if they keep doing it, then obviously like, yeah, what a terrible person they <laughs> yeah. are and just keep them out of your circle, whatever. But at the same time, it's like you don't want to just be creating this environment of divisiveness because that's part of the problem, mm. right? When we create so much like us and them, like we need to have just us, mm. right? Because collectively, we're trying to move towards something better. And on that note, thank you so much for joining us. We yeah. could literally speak God, to you just... for four hours on this. No, thank you. <laughs> and that's why we have to have you back again. Also, to hear <laughs> more and talk about this more, but then yeah. secondly, for an a better outfit. outfit. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do we're going to do the fits as promised. Thanks, thanks for so thanks much. for wearing a coat, Laura. Really appreciate <laughs> No it. problem. Anytime next time we're... Oh, <laughs> oh gosh. My, my coat for you, but no, thank you so much. We appreciate you coming and, and, and taking time out of your day to, mm. to share everything that you have and... Um, I hope from this conversation that if one person listening, or really I hope that more, more we do have more than one listener actually. Yeah. I don't know if you, you might be surprised <laughs> that we do. Know. Yeah, that's good. We, uh, we have th- thousands, which, yeah. is the, which is amazing, right? And so I, I really hope that everyone listening, thank you for listening to this podcast and showing up. That's first, like it, it is, it's hard, mm-hmm, as you mm-hmm. said, it, it's uncomfortable sometimes to listen to, but um, it is so, so important. So thank you so no, thank much you for, for sharing me. your time with us. I love chatting to you both. Thank you. And if you feel uncomfortable bringing up this conversation yourself, maybe share the podcast.
I think it's like really good for, for anyone to listen to really. If you, if you don't know how to start that conversation with a friend who you feel like they might need to learn more, I feel like everything that you've shared has just been mm, That's such a so good idea. Special. Such a subtle way as well. <laughs> yeah. So like crafty. Just, you know. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Or like if you're out at dinner, just leave your phone open with the podcast <laughs> there and then, yeah. <laughs> like playing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, everyone. If you would like to get involved, email us a voice memo. We would love that to podcast at keepitcleaner.com.au. And if you want to find out more about Kick or see more of us, you can check us out on socials at keepitcleaner, at laura.henshaw, at stephclairsmith on Instagram. And if you'd like to follow us on TikTok, our handle is Kick. That's K-I-C. You can also download the Kick app from the Apple or Google Play Store and check out more about Kick at keepitcleaner.com. We'll be back on Monday. Bye.